Hello! Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. Uh, I have the very awesome Nat Sellers with me here today with a very cool shirt that he got. Look at all those disasters on his shirt. Beautiful. How many disasters did we put on there? We put on, what, 19, 20? 15. 15, 14? Hey, uh, do you want to do your fun introduction real fast for us, Nat? Hi, diddly ho, prepperinos. <laughs> I love it. Nat is the uh, host of the very cool new podcast on our podcast network. It is called Preparedness Works. You can talk about that more in a little bit. He's also a professional emergency manager. I believe you've been on this podcast before, Nat. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, it was a little while ago. He was with me. Man, we, we kind of now have to start. Uh, we have a kind of a fun history. I called him out of the blue and said, hey, can you come down to the National Hurricane uh, Conference with us? He said, yes. I called him out of the blue and said, hey, can you be one of our instructors for the now uh, so famous it's infamous, uh, the infamous uh, Atlanta training with emergency management response for dynamic populations. He was one of our instructors there uh, teaching about evacuations because he worked at a hospital. And uh, he has kind of a, 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 a huge wealth of knowledge between personal, i.e. Boy Scouts, and professional, i.e. emergency manager, uh, I believe former military, former first responder. So a lot of different cool kind of backgrounds. And now he's helping out individuals and families uh, prepare for their needs and not just the doomsday stuff. So without any further ado, Nat Pepperino, uh, welcome and let's let's chat. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. You have such like a calming voice. I feel like I should just like kick back and uh, you should tell me how to fix my life because my life is a disaster. <laughs> keep calm and carry on. Ooh, keep calm and carry on. Um, I haven't used these in a long time, but hold on. Nope, not that one. There it is. You got the, is that? Does that come through on yours? Yeah. Yes. Keep calm and carry on. Uh, I did a, speaking of which, I did, I thought it was funny. I did a, uh, uh, like an April Fool's joke on social media where like I was talking like that and it slowly turned in from like this calming music to the sirens. Do you remember that? I remember that. Yeah. I had so many people message us on Instagram. Like, why did, like, like, what is this? Like, this isn't calming at all. The International Association of whatever actually messaged me and said, this is not a very good message. This is not calming at all. <laughs> and I was like, hey, uh, way not to get the joke. But here we are. <laughs> you know where to go with that. <laughs> That's Nat, awesome. Nat, tell us, tell us, tell us the, <laughs> this is so fun. So this is our essentially right before um, our Halloween episode. Is it um, kind of spooky? Kind of spooky. Well, funny enough, you're a doomsday guy, self-proclaimed doomsday guy, who doesn't just care about the zombie apocalypse because you say, don't just worry about the zombie apocalypse. Let's focus on your needs anyway. So it's kind of kind of good timing for the episode, right. to be honest. Well, do you remember, I think we talked about this before, the the CDC had the, if you're prepared for a zombie apocalypse, you're prepared for anything. And yes. uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. That was the, the height of, of uh, the Walking Dead mania, all of that. But the truth is that it's upside down. You don't just focus on the worst case scenario. You say, okay, how would any scenario, and you can go through a, an HVA or Thyra or whatever and, and figure out what the most likely hazards are. Then you say, what would, how would those hazards impact my needs? So mm. if you don't worry about the things you're afraid of. You don't worry about the, the, the doomsday or any of that because it's a dis distraction. You're not preparing. When you prepare, you prepare for something. And that's a positive action. You prepare for your needs. You prepare for your family's needs. You don't prepare for positively a hazard. You, you That would be against, right? So if you're preparing mm -hmm. for something, you're going to take positive action to address all of your, your basic needs. And then it doesn't matter so much what the hazard is. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. 
How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue in collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. Okay, let's jump back in. So prepare for your needs instead of prepare against the disaster. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Hold on one second. I'm looking at... I'm looking at my challenge coins here. And my boss gave this to me in DC 10 plus years ago. I don't know if that you can see it on screen here, but that is a zombie woman. You see that on the screen? A little bit. Yeah. And on the back, this will be easier to, to tell. Right? The bio- biohazard. Yeah, yeah, the biohazard. And uh, it, w- it was one Zombux. And uh, the currency of the apocalypse. What was interesting to me at the time, like I thought this was a joke. And uh, he was like, hey, just want to let you know that in like an apocalypse, you could melt this down and turn it into a bullet. And I was like, one bullet? What are you trying to tell me to do? <laughs> you know, I don't know it's not what gonna, the message there was. It's but... not going to melt down very easily unless it's a malleable metal like, you know, like gold or lead. It's, I believe it's copper. Still, it would probably be pretty hard to melt it down. I don't know. Well, if in an apocalypse, if I, I have plenty of time. Yeah, you're going to make yourself a What crucible. else am I going to do? Can't yeah. podcast. If I can't podcast, I can't do anything. Why so. can't you podcast? In an apocalypse? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, no one, I still no believe in listen. critical infrastructure. Ooh, we should do that for the rest of the episode. We should talk as if it's what you would do in an apocalypse scenario because we don't, we, we, we want to prepare against the apocalypse. So, and this, that's a funny, it's a funny concept of apocalypse because it is, it's fun to think about however likely or unlikely it is. But really, if you're in any major disaster, is that not apocalyptic? Uh, mm-hmm. There are people, there are people in, um, in Florida right now who haven't had Hurricane Wi-Fi. Ian. Yeah, they yeah. haven't had Wi-Fi since before. Like, not to say that not having Wi-Fi is the, the apocalypse, but that is a pretty strong indicator of, of what... Um, basically, our connection to to the outside world, that's mm. uh, economy, infrastructure, all runs through this network that we have. So you have people down there that don't have access to their basic needs, but also don't have access to communication or um, econ- economy or whatever else through the Internet. I was talking to Kyle King about that. Uh, the episode uh, would have aired um, two, looking at my producer here, two weeks ago. And um, basically, we were looking at the reality of um, if you can't access systems like your pension and your um, your money and even potentially years. And now in the international crisis, some of the first aid has to be cash because even if you have it, you can't access it. And if you can't access it now, you're fully reliant on somebody else. Um, although I did see on Instagram going into the individual preparedness, somebody thought it was a good idea to take a pill bottle and switch out pills for money on their keychain, uh-huh. just in case they, they need a spare money like this because you won't have your wallet for whatever reason. And I was like, I don't know, in an, apo- an apocalyptic scenario, pills actually might be worth more than cash. <laughs> yeah, it depends so, on the pill. I don't know if you want to switch that out. It's all about situational awareness, I guess. Well, yeah, and that's a lot of people store precious metals because they think, oh, you know, gold will always have value, and yeah, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, I'm not going to trade anybody anything for gold in, in an actual post-apocalyptic scenario. But in real in the real world, it's a pretty good way to diversify your, your investment portfolio because we also prepare for retirement and and prepare whatever. for not against right yes i like that it's kind of like the it's kind of a fun uh dichotomy of um of ideas right of like how you break this up and uh 
you know, looking at it, emergency managers have, an, have a terrible time of talking about preparedness because they always talk about preparing against, you know, and people don't take it seriously for a good reason. Emergency managers most of the time don't take it seriously. I, I would bet, I'd, re- I'd love to do a survey on uh, maybe on LinkedIn or maybe we'll do it on Facebook. I don't know. But at the end of the episode, I'll make a decision. But we'll do a thing saying how many how many emergency managers own a generator? How many emergency managers have a beyond a week's supply of food? How many emergency managers? We'll just like, go ask like three or four questions. These are people who live and breathe disaster, typically the most passionate about preparedness. And yet, um, e- even us, we go through this and we, we say, like, what's possible? Now, there's a lot of emergency managers out there who said, well, I don't have a generator because anytime there's a county flood, I have to go to the EOC. Right, I, I don't get to prepare anyway. for myself. So, And I recognize that as well. Um, we take care of others. But, but it does lean to the idea that maybe we should have a conversation. Maybe there should even be a chart. This is what preparing against looks like. This is what preparing for looks like. Right, and I, I think I think we should be setting the example for preparedness. It's it's crazy that if you look in the last you know, three years, all through through COVID, through lockdown, shortages, disruptions that we've had, nobody can can talk about preparedness as if it's crazy. And lately, I've been when people bring up preparedness is crazy. You know, it's the, the joke everyone has: tinfoil hats and whatever <laughs> else. But I've been. It asking, is pretty crazy, though. Well, here's the question. What part of it is crazy? Recognizing that bad things happen. Thank you. I found my buttons again. So. There, there. Which, yeah. which part of preparedness is crazy? Recognizing that bad things happen sometimes or doing something about it. And mm. neither one of those is crazy. But if you fail to recognize, if you, if you say, I'm not even going to acknowledge the reality of bad things happening, that's crazy. Or if you know they happen and you say, mm, I'm not going to do anything about it, that's pretty crazy too. I think what I think just to play the advocate here of the other side, and I don't even like devil's advocate because that's that's just stupid. Why would you want to so, be a devil's advocate? So you would be the opponent in this case. Yes. Ooh, you have the yellow shirt. I have the green shirt on. Go green team. Okay. So, and we're both professionals. We're both great, great friends here. This is a happy space. In terms of this this thought process, no, it is not crazy because this is our profession. We have to think about what if. We have to think about, um, you know, what's most probable. Uh, disaster's always probable, right? And, and breaking that down. However, I think what throws people off, I think there's a cultural problem, but I also think there's an extremism problem. And an extremist in any, any scenario is dangerous. It could be political. It could be uh, religion. It, and I'm religious. It could be... Uh, you know, your hobbies, right? If if you're like in, what was that movie? Napole- Napoleon Dynamite. If you're still trying to be like a football player at, you know, 20 years after, that's extremist, right? Like, and so the problem is when we talk about preparedness, this is why I like using the word readiness over preparedness, because like it or not, we have a culture that associates preparedness with foil hats. And I would not file somebody with a foil hat. But I would follow somebody that deals with readiness, right? Yeah. You, for example, are a person. It's funny. You call yourself a doomsday prepper because you are doing something really admirable and really amazing. You're like, let me take this something that's associated with extremist and turn it into something that's logical and cool and associated with good things, right? Needs versus, you know, zombie, for example. But the problem is, uh, we ha- we do have that cultural mindset. The other part of that problem is people are absolutely afraid and they and they they react to fear differently. Some people, I'm going to take active shooters here for a second. Some people are so afraid of active shooters that they think all teachers should be armed. Uh, you're not going to turn Bambi into Rambo, right? Your fourth grade teacher who wants to be a humanitarian, expecting him to be Rambo, not going to happen. So that's one way they express their fear. But the other side of the aisle is the exact same thing. He said, well, nobody should have a weapon. Nobody should have this. Nobody. It's like, well, that's unrealistic as well. That's extremism view. And so there has to be some kind of moderation here 
Yeah, fear. Anyways, fear talk about is, that forever. Fear is the strongest motivator. Um, it's, love. Mm, love. Mm. What? <laughs> love it, is the strongest motivator. When it comes to uh, when it comes to preparedness and disasters, fear is the strongest motivator. It's that, but it, but it's ooh. not lasting. It's not lasting. Uh, but it does get people. I'm going to take some action right now because I mean, well, that's, that's the thing. So I look, I look at fear and I, everything that I've read on it, you know, I, I really tried to research that. And it does seem that fear is the strongest motivator for preparedness actions uh, when it comes to disaster preparedness, but it's not lasting. And what is lasting is love. And that's the, that's the important mission here is to look at, look at preparedness and, I I know there are extremists in, it, in anything, right? Like extremist views. But the vast majority of people who prepare are not holding crazy views. They're not ex- extreme. So what they need, and it's not, a, it's not a huge cultural shift, but what they need is people to stop telling them they're crazy for doing something that's, that's rational and reasonable. And as emergency managers, we can, we can give them the tools Say, hey, mm-hmm. here are the most likely hazards in your area, and this is how they can impact your needs. I love that. I love that part, right? Here's what's most likely in your scenario. You also had mentioned needs, right? Like, if you prepare, if I have a tent, I can use that tent for camping, or I can use that tent if my house burned down, or if I was in Syria, if I have a tent that could save my family's life from a storm when I need to, you know, evacuate with 10 you know, 20 million other people getting out of a war zone, like conflict. And so there's lots of different use cases for a single item. Right. right? And it meets the same need that is shelter. All right. So yes. all of, all of those different hazards impact that need, which is, which is shelter. And by addressing this need by, Hey, I have mm. a tent. That's an alternate, that's an alternate shelter. I have redundancy in shelter. I've got my home, which most situations you're not going to have to leave your home, but you're like, Hey, now I, now I, have an alternate shelter source, but it doesn't have to be the only one. Obviously, uh, you can plan on going to a, a friend's house or a hotel out of the area or mm. in the area, depending on the, depending on the hazard. You just look at your options and all of these things, you have them in front of you. And then depending on the situation, you make a decision. Yeah, it's a, it, wouldn't you agree though? Like if you're looking at a tent versus building a bunker, there's levels there. Right, and I don't think you would support. Maybe you do, but I, I I wouldn't think that you'd be like, oh yeah, let's all build bunkers underground. Now I will say, if you live in Tornado Alley, you might want to. Right, of right? course. But that's you, you but that's probably, not like an EMP, right? Not that you will probably want to. You probably should. If you live in Tornado yeah. Alley, you probably should have a tornado shelter. Um, yes, at least a basement. But if you don't, you should have a tornado shelter and. And the even the, the federal government, local state governments, all put a lot of effort into, in, during the Cold War, into mm. promoting fallout shelters. That was a, a real threat, and uh, something that people considered uh, a need was to have some shelter. Of course, the the response to that was dismally low. Something I don't even remember is below two percent of the population had fallout shelters or something like that. I, um, it was hardly anybody. It was way too much of an effort for the federal have, government to abandon all of it. Have uh, you seen those videos? What would happen if a nuke landed outside of a school and everybody was hiding under the desk? I've you know seen, how they I, used to I've like civil, civil defense? defense? Yeah. And they used to tell people hide under the desk for a nuke. Somebody put together like this montage of like movies where it's just like, you know, it's like the Terminator yeah <laughs> it's like this is like what happens and that's the other thing right it's like professionals should lead these conversations mm-hmm. like yourself like somebody who says like okay like okay tornado alley sure storm shelter great um florida shelter underground probably not so great in a hurricane you know what i mean like yeah. and just like walking through what's what's reasonable i think the other part of the ar- argument of like why maybe culture hates preparedness so much is because, I mean, they had the fear part, but we do have a mentality of like, um, I'll worry about it when it's in my face, but that's not how disasters work. You know, right. if you want to learn how to fight when somebody's ready to punch you in the face, 
not a good term to learn how to fight, you know? Um, but at the same time, like, we all have an economy of time. It's limited resource. And it is the most valuable resource. And so when somebody is stressed, you know, that single mom who's stressed about their three kids, or even, you, you know, somebody like you and I who get it, it's really hard to say, hey, like, this stuff is worth it to, to take care of it now, even though it's it's real. It is. You know? It is. It's a really hard uh, thing to do. And and to help pe- demonstrate that there is value in doing it, um, even even outside of of uh, of the emergency disaster, becoming more self reliant and focusing on your basic needs has value in the action of doing it. It's like um, it's like going to the gym. Like you don't just go to the gym so that one day you'll be able to lift that heavy thing and that's when it all pays off, or one day you'll be able to run really fast away from a threat and that's when it pays off. It, it benefits you every single day. Uh, when you you were talking about you know, earlier, like you you mentioned you're religious, right? So when we read scriptures, that's something that doesn't just impact you when you face temptation. You're not like okay, now I remember this one scripture I read. It's something that every day benefits mm. you you spiritually it's it 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 is an ongoing ongoing effect that that benefits you while you do it and when you need it yeah i think uh i would agree with that all the way like it's all about consistency consistency is easier on your life my thing about again i'd like to say readiness because i think that changes people's perception mm-hmm. even though it's it's uh it's kind of like mitigation and resiliency like we always use the word resiliency wrong but really a lot of people are talking about mitigation most of the time but i think it was it was an idea uh maybe 15 years ago to really start trying to change the conversation and so that's what i've been trying to do with readiness like yeah it, am i talking about preparedness absolutely but i want to talk about people getting ready for doing something for themselves and um you know going back to the kyle king conversation he was talking about there's blurred lines between emergency management, military, private, private, and you know, uh, critical infrastructure, economies, banks, banking systems, because there's there is so much conflict in the world, and there potentially could be a lot more conflict. If we have another World War II scenario, which is more than plausible, you know, talking about disasters in the future, how do emergency managers respond? And we talked about and I'm sure you would agree that the resources is limited. We have to get people to the point where they can take care of themselves. So we don't need to hold their hand and everything. And the, you know, I guess the gosh, we're just keep on adding these things. But the last part of this possibly is that people are getting used to somebody holding their hand on problem solving, on taking care of themselves, their needs. They've become too reliant Mm-hmm. on other people to take care of the things that they should be self-reliant on. Right. Yeah. Self-reliance is the overarching principle. And for me, preparedness is one aspect of that. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I look at it because, um, you know, because in all of self-reliance, I could look at, at all sorts of aspects of it and they all tie together. But um, <clears throat> I, I use the word preparedness and address that because it is a familiar word, not, um, not necessarily to, to, change to something away from it but to but to meet people where they're at meet their fears mm-hmm. and then and then turn them to the um uh, to the focus on their to the light to the end and to what they love right i yeah. i i uh, just gave i just gave a presentation i taught a class at prepper camp and it's the largest outdoor preparedness expo ever or anywhere right and it was down in north carolina and i talked about uh, about a lot of this and did the talked about the for or against and my I had two of my kids there and talked to the people there and said basically like I could be distracted by these things that I fear I could watch the news and think about well this this and and, and it would change my focus and we we do that in emergency management all the time something scary yeah. comes up your leadership says hey we've got to do an exercise for this you got to do some training for this and all this and this and this this and it, basically it's 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 panicking or just focusing on fears and in my home I can look at my kids and I love them and I know what they need 
for for survival, basic needs. And I, not not necessarily all their emotional needs, but because I love them, I can have that sustained thing where where fear might have got me interested in something. Now I know, okay, I can I can ignore that distraction. I can focus on what I love and and what I need. Mm. Uh, but you did mention you did mention the uh, the people who you know it's hard it, it is hard to to really do all of the preparedness stuff. There's so many things that it, you couldn't even create a checklist that said all of the that had all of the things on it that would make you prepared. You talked about the single mom who's who's struggling to feed her kids, uh, but there are so many people in in the country and the world that are in a situation like that, and that is a problem that emergency managers have to address as well. Because mm-hmm. what's our solution to preparedness? It's build a kit, make a plan, stay informed, and it's like very simplistic, <laughs> and yeah. it doesn't really. I mean, it's it's beneficial, but but it is, it's not applicable to everybody. For me, it's like, okay, I'm beyond that, right? I, I've got a kit mm. and I've got more than a kit. I have a plan and I've practiced my plan mm. and we, like, I'm, I'm beyond it. So I, I, if emergency management is going to help people who are already interested in preparedness, that's not helpful. But then there are people who don't know how they're going to feed their family today or tomorrow or, or the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. How are they going to be able to put aside three days worth of, of food for an emergency? And, mm-hmm. but that's, but that's where this, this message of, of your own basic needs, understanding your needs and addressing them comes in because, um, because as, as a part of the whole self-reliance picture, some things you can't do for yourself. Some some things you are in a situation where you can't provide that for yourself, but that doesn't mean that you can't be self-reliant because you find a, a source or a network or a group that can help you bridge the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And, and working on self-reliance, preparedness being a part of that, figuring out the the network, the tools, the resources that you might have available. It could be a, a church group or a food pantry or a neighbor that you've developed a relationship with. And working together with other people can increase your self-reliance and make you more capable as well. I love the idea that the aspect uh of emergency management, the humanitarian aspect of emergency management is helping out those who can't help themselves. And we also have to be cognizant of the reality is we help those who can't help themselves. Some have put themselves in that situation. Others have not. And that doesn't change if we choose to help or not. We're the helpers. Right. However, uh, we will make our lives easier if we get other people to help themselves and they will be much better off for it. And so there's a lot of different ways to do that. And maybe we can spend the last couple of minutes talking about um, how an emergency manager would approach uh, preparedness or readiness. And um, in, in their communities, you know, some serve public entities, counties, states, federal, others serve organizations, hospitals, uh, corporations, whatever. And there needs to be some kind of level of, um, you know, uh, of preparation support by the emergency manager. I'm going to provide the first one and I'll let you take the second one. We'll see how far we can go with this. My first one is emergency managers need to provide training. Yeah. Your turn. Say emergency manager. This will be kind of fun. Let's see how far we can go with this. Emergency managers need to provide training. Uh, I'll borrow from what I've said already. Emergency managers need to set the example. Ooh, that's a really good one. Emergency managers need to be realistic. Emergency managers need to share knowledge. Ooh, don't tell that to people who work at FEMA. Zing. Uh, <laughs> emergency. emergency <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that. If you work at FEMA, everybody, I worked at FEMA too. I got my FEMA award in the background here. Love you. Okay. Um, emergency managers need to give the to provide the equipment unnecessary at organizations for preparedness emergency managers need to address both top down and bottom up 
every once in a while, emergency managers need to relax. <laughs> More than every once in a while, emergency yeah. managers need to there relax. There are too many emergency managers who take themselves so seriously that they alienate all their stakeholders. Breathe for a second. Yeah. Ooh, I got another one. Oh, you want me to do it? Uh, yeah. Emergency managers need to use data. Yes. And emergency managers need to interpret and share the data. Uh, emergency managers need to take emergency uh, respon- emergency management response for a dynamic populations course. Yes. <laughs> Woo! Did we do it? That was pretty good. That was good. I think we should do that survey. I, I think I'm going to ask how many people, how many emergency managers have a generator for themselves? Yeah. I... Yeah, that's a, Wait, that's do a, you have a generator? I have a generator. Of oh. course you do. Is it well, a whole house generator? Uh, no, it's not a whole house <laughs> generator. However, you. we do have. Um, it is does have an outlet that plugs directly into our our breaker box. So I okay. put it outside, plug it into the house. It's just not a. It's not like a Generac where it kicks mm. on by itself. It's a Generac large... should be one of your sponsors. Yeah, Generac, you want to sponsor me? Hey, it, Generac, spon- sponsor <laughs> Preparedness Works and the is... Readiness Lab Network. It is a oh, we have a large generator. You plug it into the house. I think it's a it's a good middle ground for for where I am. You know, another a budget thing. A generator is a big expense, uh, but mm, yes, it is. Yeah, that's a, that's a one aspect of one of my foundations that I teach for for preparedness is is financial uh, preparedness and budgeting. Yes, and, great. Yeah, and you you have to plan for it. So you put the money aside. And buy it outright. A generator is a tough buy, and even though I knew knew I needed to have it for a long time, I did a lot of research, too much research. I was just like, mm. I don't, I don't know. I'm comparing these. I don't want to. Then power goes out again. I'm like, no, I'm gonna buy one. And mm. then I'm like, mm, dies off a little bit. I just want to get the right one. Just get one. Get a good one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it can be any of the main brands, and you're gonna be fine. I'm gonna let me look this up here while we're talking. I'm gonna do this in real time. If you go to uh, Doberman Emergency Management, DobermanEMG.com, under Resources, under uh, Product Recommendations, these are just things that we found to be helpful. We provided a, um, a generator there. Actually, I think it's under Power Outage Supplies. There you go. Um, and we provided a generator that uh, was highly, highly recommended to us, and my father ended up getting it. And he's on dialysis, and thank goodness because they lost power, and they called an electrician to be able to hook it up to the house. But it's a Duromax, um, and it's not a whole house generator, but it will, it will do several things for them. And between him and my mom, uh, when they lost power in uh, in Ohio for a couple days uh, from a storm, this helped them out. So yeah. again, they're not a they're not a sponsor either. So Duramax, uh, Generac is looking at being our sponsor, <laughs> potentially. You guys have a bidding war, but seriously, it's um, yeah. That, and that, uh, I'm looking at it right now. One of the positive things about that is is dual fuel, gasoline or propane. Propane yeah. you can store basically forever. Um, gasoline you would have to use a fuel stabilizer or and rotate it through it. Uh, but those those are both good good fuel sources and being able to switch between them. This one's 21% off. I just clicked on the Amazon link. That's actually, you're welcome, Planet Earth, uh, for this for this link. You, you've also, I'm looking at the other products. You've got the Gas One portable butane stove. That, uh, yes. That is my number one power outage tool. And, I love and, that, and, yeah. I have a Gas One. I also have a Coleman. But they are amazing. They're safe. They are effective. It is... You can use this one in a house. You can. Yep. Yeah. I just uh, put it. I put it right on my stovetop. Yep. Cook right there. It, it'd be like if you had natural gas in your home. We we actually found that the way I found that product was Japan, uh, because they cook on table for like nabe and like there's different meals that you can cook yeah, in a pot means, on a that table. Means something to me. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's like a. It's like um. Do you know what shabu shabu is? Shabu shabu no. is probably easier to explain. Actually, they're probably. Pretty, they're both pretty similar. But shabu shabu is like the sound of emotion. So they cut meat so thin that then they put it in the boil, boiling water. By the time they say shabu shabu, or they don't actually say it, but so by the end of that motion, it's already cooked. It's that thin. And then they dip it in like a in like a sauce. 
But anyways, they, they all use these in their homes on that table. And I was like, this is so much better than like the giant cans that I would always get, like, you know, the propane cans. Right. Yeah, it's a great little tool. And uh, the people use the jet boil, which is a, a good solution too. But uh, yeah, these, you can use the butane cans. Some of them have a connecting hose that you can use the green propane ones. As oh well. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, I can, you can boil water in just a couple minutes. It's an effective working stove. Dang, dude. We actually came up with a pretty good list here. My The Mountain House, I specifically got a call out from our good friends at the Disaster Class, Wesley and Jason. We talked about uh, food supply on another episode, and uh, one of our friends was like, hey, I'm just going to go to Costco and get, get it. And then he messaged me. He goes, I listened to your episode. Make sure you say Mountain House. I love Mountain House. So also not a sponsor, Mountain House. So you're welcome. Let's do it. Let's um, do a bidding war between Mountain House and uh, Nutrient Survival. Nutrient Survival is also. Oh, uh, is that your is that your go to? See, lots of different brands out there. It just well, shows that there's so many different options. Yeah, and and it's it is know? interesting because you look at the different options, and some of them, um, some of them are have extra you know, vitamins. Some of them have protein. Mountain House is known for having protein in it. It's got actual <clears> meat in it, <throat> which is which is good. But then you look at other brands that don't, uh, but some don't and have and have or they're enriched with extra vitamins so you just have to know what you're buying because a serving if it says oh it has you know 180 servings and 60 of those servings are drink mix Mm. don't get don't get tricked and and like another another 40 of those are oatmeal or something like that you know like i bought two hundred thousand dollars worth of 14 packs of oatmeal yeah. yeah so make sure you know what you're getting now this this type of food, Mountain House, Nutrient Survival, Ready Wise, uh, things like that, I are really good for the first steps. It's your immediate or short short term emergency preparedness. Yeah. But if you're looking at storing long term stuff, you want um, things like NutriStore or uh, the Emergency Essentials or Thrive or whatever. There there are other ones that that have ingredients, and it's yeah. just like here's here's some diced potatoes or here's beef or chicken dices or carrots or whatever it is and then you've got your regular foods but that you can have them. that's yeah. smart yeah so okay stuff, these meals are great for for the short-term immediate use but we might meals. have to put this this link in our show notes i'm looking at my producer here off screen um this link um his name is amen by the way so everybody on link everybody on our social media you should say hi amen it's spelled a-m-a-a-n like uh, like a man, but it's pronounced Amen. He's awesome. Uh, anyways, but this link, I can't even tell you how many times like these products have saved my life. Like uh, this, the Cat Three, Three and One. Oh my gosh! I started Doberman Emergency Management. I had no money. I had nothing. Uh, that was a whole crazy story. How we kind of basically lost everything, and I was trying to scramble, which is why we started the podcast originally. But then my battery died on my uh, crappy Kia Soul. If you guys would like to be a sponsor, maybe I'll change that vernacular. But we had a Kia Soul. I was driving it. It's the hamster car. And the battery died. And this this generator, this portable little generator power station um, with the jump jumper cables started my Kia Soul every day for three weeks until I got a small client and I was able to replace the battery. The battery on a car is $140. I did not have $140 to replace the battery. And that shows like how how tough it was in the beginning. Um, some days my wife might think it's as, as still as tough. But that that I mean, it was so helpful. Like it, it, it it's such a great tool. We have the wool blankets. The, these uh, four lights, by the way, that is like my hidden gem here. Nobody knows about these lights, but they come in a pack of four, the uh, everyday 360 LED lights, camping lanterns. Mm-hmm. The ba- I got these like four or five years ago. I finally opened up like the third one because we have metal doors in this house. So I started putting them at the top of all the metal doors for a power outage. Yep. They're the mag- they have mag- magnets on the bottom. And you can either open it up or you can, you know, this is where I start to geek out on preparedness, but you either can open it up or it has flashing red lights or it has like a, it has a flashlight option, but the battery still worked like four or five years later, uh, you know, right That's out of awesome. the bag. Yeah. yeah. I, my, um, my, I last, love this stuff. my latest podcast at the time of recording. Um, so on October 6th, 
uh, with setting yourself up for success. And basically, when you are looking at preparedness and meeting your needs, find the things that work, that do the yeah. work for you. And um, I gave some examples, but one of them was the cat tourniquet, um, the cat combat application tourniquet. Mm. Uh, it's so so effective and easy to use that a five-year-old can use it effectively. And like improvising yeah. a tourniquet, it's a simple simple to do, but it but you need to really know what you're doing, and you need it, it relies on the operator. Yes, to you be have to be strong right. too to do it right. Right. Honestly. So yeah, if you're doing an improvised tourniquet it, it, or other other types of tourniquets, it relies on your own ability and knowledge versus something like the cat that relies on the effectiveness of the tool. And even a five-year-old with very little ability or knowledge can use it effectively. So things like the the butane stove, those are it's like no, but you don't have to go start a fire outside. You don't have to use your your charcoal grill. It's like it's so easy to use. You plug in the fuel and you turn it on, and it's a stove. Uh, so find things that find things that do the work for you. That when you're in a high stress situation, especially the the first few days, I mean, think about people in Florida before any help arrived. They're worrying about their families, their their life, their safety. And some of them still are. Some of them still are. So it, when no. you're when you're dealing with an emergency, you don't want to have to say, "Well, what are we going to have for dinner tonight?" Like if you have stuff ready to go, and and, and you always you always risk losing some of it. But um, in most situations, if you meet your basic needs, like you have bottled water on here, you know, you, um. the, initially, why would you filter water? If you can just open up a bottle of water, if my kids are thirsty and I'm, and I'm worried about our life safety, here's a bottle of water. My kid's not thirsty anymore. Instead of okay, let me stop everything else and and focus on, on this. It's like oh no, that's already that's already taken care of. Yeah, taking care of your needs. Um, funny stuff. You know, I even have glow sticks on this list. That was put on there because, one, I always keep glow sticks in our camping stuff, mm -hmm. but we lost power. I had a one-year-old boy who wakes up at 6 in the morning who needed light, and it was like in the middle of winter in California. And uh, we went upstairs. We, we, we had a playroom upstairs. It was kind of like a loft. And I just broke, you know, 10 of the glow sticks open, and we had a, a fun for an hour, maybe it was even 5.30, a fun for an hour before the sun came up. And it, I think really what the the real goal of preparedness is not to really like save your life but to make your life exponentially easier yeah and if you're if part of preparedness for example is just knowing how to contact your insurance company again <laughs> yes uh just like how to contact what's in your policy like what you know all this all these things that's all part of it and for those who are like, okay, I'm overwhelmed by literally everything in my in my life. If you try to do everything at once, you will likely fail. Now, I would suggest going on to Doberman and DobermanEMG.com and uh, under power out of supplies and literally just getting everything off that list. Boom, done. Uh, but that's like really camping stuff, right? That's like your everyday like preparedness stuff. But what you're saying is get to the next level where maybe once a quarter or once every six months review. And if you're constantly doing that or consistency, consistently doing that rather, then all of a sudden, three, four, five, ten 10 years down the road by doing little things consistently, when you are in the, I think you and I will both recognize very rare circumstance where something does impact you. Now, all of a sudden you've had all this stuff and all this time to put it together and to update. Right. And if you if you do things that meet your needs, if you're focusing on your needs and not your fears, then it's stuff that's not going to go to waste. You're going to rotate through it because it's stuff you could use normally or it's something that's a durable item and isn't going to going to go to bad go bad anyway. Uh, and you mentioned camping like that's a great time to practical camping and bring some emergency supplies and test them. Like hey, mm. we're now cut off from running water and electricity and we're just surviving on these things. How are we managing? And you'll you'll learn that some things are more effective than others i do that when i go camping that's that's so funny you bring it up i naturally do that because i think it'll be fun yeah it's, it's like an activity right it's yeah. something to do like uh we will we'll test out our water filtration or we'll like see how things work because when else am i going to use it and if i bought it anyways i want to see how it works right uh and i want to 
I want to quote unquote play with it. So well, and and um, I, I'm always looking at layers too. Like I have bottles of water that are ready to drink. I have jugs of water, but I also have a couple Sawyer minis and other filters. Sawyer, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Um, so no, those are effective things that that I know work. Um, so I have an immediate my needs immediately met, and then ways to meet my needs continually as I can collect and and filter more water. Yeah. Okay. So we're coming up on 45 minutes here. It's always fun to chat with you. We could probably talk about this forever. That means we only have an hour left. (laughs) Yeah. We only have an hour left. Now, now I'm meeting my fears. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So we have, I have a couple heads up for our audience. One, Nat, you are uh, the official preparedness guy. And I know you're the official preparedness guy because your link on Facebook says official That's right. preparedness guy. Yeah. So you are the official preparedness guy. So, um, but it, you're really on Instagram. So for those who want to follow Nat's tips, just in general, he posts these really funny videos. He just did one the other day where um, he was cycling through all the game characters for uh, for uh, Doomsday kind of stuff for games. It's really fun. Yeah. It's but he does character. it every day. He posts every day. Uh, so the preparedness guy, but he also has this podcast called Preparedness Works, where we've been we've been hitting on it. Yeah. Uh, Nat, what is your pitch for the emergency management crowd to listen to Preparedness Works? Well, like I said, we've got to to do top down and bottom up, and we're we're generally pretty good at top down. That's the policies and programs that help our our response. Typically, I love um, bottom up, and. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say, I can't say that. I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> you're, but you're laughing. Yeah. So, but but bottom up <laughs> he's is blushing addressing, right now. If you're listening right now, he's blushing. Yes. Uh, it's a it's addressing individual needs. Yes. So we figure out, and we're not going to prepare each individual, but we can give each individual tools to to help themselves become prepared. Like we can make it accessible so that. Each individual can, based on the the data we give them, um, through through all all the things that we've done to help our organization be more prepared, we can give that to them and help them become more prepared. Now, this preparedness works. It's going to talk about all sorts of things. Preparedness, and um, mm. you know, I go through the the definition of works in, in the first episode and and break it down. But it's it like if you want the works on a pizza, it's everything. And uh, mm. if something works, it's functional. And uh, the works of a clock are all the, the parts and aspects of it. You know, it's inner workings. So we're looking at everything related to it. Um, but I've I've talked about, like I said, the um, the tool setting yourself up for success. Today, when we're doing this interview, I just interviewed uh, a lady named Jenna, and um, she's at Granite Hill Homestead on Instagram, and she just went through a wildfire and had to evacuate her home. That was the second wildfire that she's had to evacuate from in, in her life. And hearing, I mean, in real time, I was watching her stories as she's sharing it with, with people on Instagram, this real world evacuation, what she had mm-hmm. to do interacting with a, an actual threat, uh, but then coming and, and being willing to share that with, with <clears throat> me and everyone who's listening. It, it's a really, um, you know, personal, view of how people are in in these situations and uh, basically i'm trying to figure out how did preparedness work for them and they share they share tips and tricks things they learned uh you know lessons that they learned from the experience things they plan to to do in the future uh it's really a fun fun time um you know it's 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 humbling and sobering but also we had a little bit of fun in the end Uh, if you've watched the goonies we talked about that a bit so go check that episode out (laughs) so and and i think for everybody listening in like obviously you and i you know i I think we mesh pretty well and uh we can we can kind of laugh and have fun but the reality is a crisis turns into a disaster without preparedness and that goes for your job that goes for opportunity that goes for hurricanes or wildfires or you know, uh, for most parents, the scariest day of their life, uh, you know, hearing about an active shooter, whatever it may be, you know, getting preparing for your needs and preparing for things instead of against things will make your life easier. You will be happier 
And quite frankly, as the emergency manager, focusing on it in your community and finding new and creative ways to do that, kind of like Nat has been doing, you'll, you'll have this opportunity to see the impact of it. And if your community is prepared well, if the people that you're working with in your community know how to access their insurance and know how to find shelter and know how to do stuff, all of a sudden you will be in, it could be a large disaster and you're, you could be wondering, why isn't there a lot of people in the shelter? Oh, right. It's because we've been preparing them for it. Why are people not asking for food? Oh, right. They have it. And so it gives you more time to get things together, your supply chain together to help out those who need. And so, man, so many great call outs, Nat. Um, any final thoughts for our show? No. Good. Uh, can you get one last preparino? Um, or pep, pepperino? Yeah, it's prep, preparino. Uh, well, I, I'm like a, so so long, preparinos. So long, preparinos. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thank you uh, for listening to this episode. It's a little bit longer than normally do, but we were having a lot of fun chatting about several different topics about preparedness. Make sure you check out the preparedness guy on Instagram. Make sure you check out uh, Preparedness Works. It's on all social media channels, hopefully by now. And uh, it's obviously a podcast, so go and subscribe to that one. It's on the Readiness Lab network, of which I'm also on as well. Really great friends on there who are looking at different aspects of our job. I typically involve leaders, like a leader like Nat. Now we'll be talking about how to you know, solve problems and, and how preparedness has worked in people's lives. By the way, I love the call out of the uh, epidemiology of the word there and how you're using it and uh, moving forward in that space. If, you, if you've done something in preparedness that's creative and fun, that's helped your community out, whatever that community might be, whether it's a traditional community or for your workplace, we would love to know what that is. Go on social media, Disaster Tough Podcast, maybe tag Preparedness Works and say, here are the, some of the ideas that work for me. Or maybe you'd be willing to share your story, how, how preparedness works, so that I can contact you. Really fun way to do that. Yeah, and if you're going into uh, Halloween, Halloween's my favorite time. Uh, we don't have any official contact, uh, contest. But if you have something really cool for Halloween that you dress up as, I would love to see a picture of it. It's my favorite holiday. So please tag Disaster Tough Podcast in your post. And we'll see you for the next one. 